This is Future Heist, conversations with people making change. My name is Rena Neve Smith. Why you gotta do me like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Zach Cochran. Um, I organise around love music, hate racism, and I'm also involved in stand up to racism. How did you get involved with those organisations? A big influence growing up. Um, I remember as a child seeing the murder of Stephen Lawrence um, on the news. It was something that horrified me. Um, how someone could commit an act based on the colour of someone's skin. It's something that's always influenced me as, as a young child. and um, I think it helped shape my politics, uh, certainly around anti-racism. Um, so probably after university, um, the British National Party were making gains in a lot of areas of the country. Um, the forerunner of Stand Up to Racism, um, United Against Fascism was doing a lot of work um, to combat the British National Party, but Love Music, Hate Racism was also a very useful tool in Stoke and embarking at driving back the National Front, uh, the British National Party. Um, so I got involved um, in the early 2000s really around anti-racist politics and but I think it's more important than ever that we continue to, to build organisations like this. Uh, the challenges are still there, in, in some ways they're growing, um, so these organisations could be crucial in helping to tackle that. Yeah, definitely. Whereabouts did you study then? Okay, I was at um, University of East Anglia. Um, I suppose at the time, this was 2004, um, the anti-war movement was kind of going into decline because the war had started. Um, so this is long before maybe the, the student uprisings we, we had in, in 2010. Um, so politics on campus was, uh, I think Make Poverty History was a big thing on campus. It was very much... Um, around that rather than more, more radical politics but it wasn't long before um, the threat of the far right had kind of re-emerged and anti-racist politics uh, was coming to a fore again. Yeah. Because um, Love Music Hate Racism grew out of the Rock Against Racism um, organisation, didn't it? Um, which has a kind of an amazing legacy. Um, Rock Against Racism was yeah. Um, founded in uh, 1976, I think, um, and was really instrumental in... It inspired the foundation of the Anti-Nazi League and helped kind of uh, drive the far right off the streets back in the 70s. I so, think it was, yeah, yeah. absolutely crucial uh, cultural movement. Um, at the time, the late 1970s, you had... Um, Racist murders, you know, I talked about um, Stephen Lawrence a moment ago, but in the 70s this was even more common, racist murders. Uh, the National Front were uh, perhaps the manifestation of this that were looking to make gains electorally, beat the Liberal Democrats, um, interfered in, in, in an election, they were becoming a real threat. You had Eric Clapton uh, using a concert in Birmingham in front of thousands of music fans to say 
Enoch Powell was right that we should go and vote for him. Um, so it was a massive, massive threat that the far right would continue to grow, but also um, would have some hold over the cultural scene. They were um, trying to infiltrate through through punk music, particularly. Um, so rock against racism was was an absolute crucial idea. Music fans writing uh, to enemy um, really is a call to action for anti-racists out there and artists to to protect their platform and um, encourage it as a way of driving back the far right and uh, bringing people together. And um, I mean, how many decades on, how many uh, forms of music have we seen influenced by, by Rock Against Racism? Certainly, you know, two-tone music, but um, later this year it will be the 40th year anniversary, um, which brought um, punk and reggae together. It was perhaps one of the most... Um, important cultural movements to bring punk bands and reggae bands together on the same stage at a time when people saying this can never happen. Um, and certainly Love Music, Hate Racism is the child of rock against racism, but it's also the acknowledgement that these issues haven't gone away, that um, racism and the far right um, are still a massive threat. Um, we see across Europe now the far right are more organised, than ever in May um, of 2019, um, you know they're they're projected to get a third of the seats in the European Parliament. It's an absolute massive threat. Um, and in the early 2000s, Love Music Hate Racism tried to um, use their platform to bring in new forms of music, um, so grime music, indie bands that were very popular at the time, um, as a way of of driving back the BMP and EDL. Um, so that was where it started, but we're now, what, almost two decades on from that. Um, we've got to build it up from the grassroots again. It's absolutely crucial um, that we work with artists and allow them to use their platforms um, to tackle racism and bring people together, but also that we support uh, people around the country who want to make a stand against racism in their community and bring people together. And that's certainly what Love Music Hate Racism will look to do. There has been another huge rise in um, in the far right and in kind of racism, partly, um, which has partly been given confidence by the election of Donald Trump. And what do you think is the, what do you think is different now about the rise of the far right and the threat of racism compared to the beginnings of the of the movement? I, I think what worries me is just how organised the far right is um, today. So over the summer of 2018, you had um, Tommy Robinson um, in jail, being held um, rightfully for almost making a very serious uh, case of child sexual abuse collapse um, because he was trying to make cap political capital out of it um, to whip up Islamophobia. Um, the level of support he got internationally from the far right, you know, a US senator, a, a Trump advisor, um, Gert Wilders, a far right politician in Holland, um, support from a fascist party in Belgium, um, one of Le Pen's advisors in France uh, came to his aid, funding from um, America as well. 
I don't think we've seen this level of organisation and support for, for the far right. Um, it's, it's quite unprecedented. Um, there are real attempts to connect the dots uh, throughout Europe to try and build a mass far right network and, and certainly Britain is a country that's very much um, on their agenda. Um, we saw in the summer uh, 15,000 people out on the street in support of Tommy Robinson. So I can't remember a time we've seen a far-right march of that size in, in central London. So they're more organised, they're better funded, um, and they're, they're a massive threat to, to working-class people. We saw on a demonstration against uh, the Football Ads Alliance, the so-called Football Ads Alliance, um, a trade unionist uh, being attacked, a group of a trade unionists, it just shows you there's a deep hatred of the organised working class as, as well as um, black and minority groups in this country. It was a wake-up call to many people and um, it's something we absolutely need to address. That demonstration of 15,000 in the summer was really shocking and kind of opened my eyes personally to how little this is reported in the wider media because it just seemed invisible and I know so many people who just had no idea that it happened and you talk to people that almost have a like a disbelief on their face. Um, but obviously, you know, we both know people who were there on the... Were you on that demonstration, on the counter-demonstration on the 9th of June? I was away, I was out the country at the time, mm -hmm. um, but no, I saw the Im images and was, was absolutely horrified. Exactly. Um, when I saw that. Um, but, you know, people who were there said the same. It was um, a, a frightening sight. So I'm absolutely, you know, I'm pleased to say that, um, you know, subsequent demonstrations, um, people have taken them more seriously, have been backed uh, more by the trade unions. Um, Anti-racists have managed to pull together to to mobilise greater numbers on on the streets and um, oppose the far right because history tells us if you don't come out and uh, oppose these groups then they'll continue to grow. Um, it's absolutely crucial whatever the tool, whether that's uh, demonstrations, whether that's the whole uh, cultural scene, uh, what love music hate racism aims to do. Um, we've got a offer opposition to the far right or, or, they, or they will keep um, making gains and growing. So tell me specifically about um, Love Music Hate Racism. Um, how would you describe what they do? Um, well, I think as I've said, it's, it's, it's the child of, of Rock Against Racism. It's just based on a very simple idea that um, music unites people, it brings people together. Um, there's no musician in this country who hasn't drawn influence um, by different genres of music and different culture. This is always something the far right have, have found difficult with. They know music is eclectic, that um, it can bring communities together. Um, so it's so it's our strength, and we we hope to 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 draw on that strength to to bring artists um, out to use their platform to speak to fans. Um, and promote an anti-racist message that, that can counteract um, the message of hatred and division of, of the far right. But it's also about empowering the music fans, the anti-racist, um, up and down the country. It's not just about superstar um, acts. Um, you look at a number of acts um, in the 1970s or even the early 2000s with, with Love Music, Hate Racism. People at the time with not a massive profile, um, 
that on their way up um, became ambassadors of, of Rocky Ant racism and, and Love Music racism, respectively. Um, and, you know, throughout their career, um, it certainly shaped their music that they were, were, were putting out at the time. And Steel Pulse, um, massive reggae band um, that was involved in Rock Against Racism, a lot of their music was, was influenced by their experience and anti-racism, so it was a... Uh, a, a, a big fit um, so I think it's certainly about providing opportunities uh, for up and coming grassroots artists uh, um, gigs that they can play at um, but it's also an opportunity for um, them to reach out to the, to fans as well um, and it's in everyone's interest I mean you know as I said music is eclectic if, if we allow it um, we allow hatred to rise in this country it's going to hit artists um, it's going to hit their ability um, to perform in front of diverse crowds okay? if people don't feel comfortable going out to, to gigs because of threats of um, violence or trouble at their gigs so it's absolutely in their interest to, to um, speak out against racism and try and encourage a positive message of unity yeah absolutely um one of the really and that whole the idea of um Music is a is a collective thing, as you've said, and it's also massively multicultural, like like a lot of genres are. And it mm. was really ironic when Eric Clapton made those racist remarks that then prompted the the formation of of um, Rock Against Racism because he made I shot you know he sang I Shot the Sheriff by Bob Marley and um, yeah and that was something that the that the letter to NME kind of called out, didn't it? Um, and there's a real uh, you know, lots of artists borrow from other genres and that kind of thing. So music is a really, um, it's symbolic as well as, a like you say, it's a practical thing, but it's also a very symbolic thing of, of how we are one human race, essentially, and share more than we do have things that divide us. Yeah, um, I mean, it was incredibly hypocritical of, of Eric Clapton um, like many artists you know he's, he's um, benefited hugely from the influence of um, if you can say um, reggae music and, and and music inspired by by black cultures uh, for him to turn around and and let's be honest with what he was saying encouraging Enoch Powell was encouraging violence against black people, murder against black people, because this is what Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech was, was the, the logical conclusion of, of, of what he was inciting, really. Um, so it was an incredibly dangerous moment uh, when Eric Clapton did that. Um, and luckily, um, anti-racists were able to seize on it and... and, and um, launch rock against racism to, to push back... Mm -hmm. um, against that narrative but um, I just think you know while I'm, I think we're in a good situation of being able to use music and as you said um, it's multicultural roots um, for anti-racist campaigning and pushing an anti-racist uh, message um, I'm, I'm not complacent in the same sense that I think among young people, there's rightful anger and frustration at um, 
their lives. Um, there's a real lack of future uh, that I think many young people see. Um, we saw this around the riots uh, in 2011, where you had youth service being cut, the education maintenance allowance being cut. Um, we're what now? Um, almost a decade on from now, and there's still a lack of opportunities and a future for young people. I think this gives the far right an opportunity to to to, to fill that void with with hatred if we're not careful. And when I see, like we saw um, in Huddersfield, a refugee student had fled from Syria, war in Syria, um, being attacked. Um, by a group of students, one of which said Tommy Robinson was was his idol and had been sharing stuff on social media. This is a massive, massive, massive warning for us that um, the far right will be able to break through um, among young people if we're not careful. This is why I think what Love Music, Hate Racism has to aim to do as well is um, work with the schools, work with the teaching unions, um, work with the music industry and artists as well to um, do a lot of educational work with young people as well to push back against the far-right propaganda that, let's be honest, on, online is, is absolutely everywhere and it's a massive, massive threat um, that we've got to counteract as well as mobilisations by the far-right on the street as well. Mm, absolutely. And racism is a symptom of a of wider kind of social inequality, isn't it? It's often the expression of of um it's misplaced anger it's misplaced um sense of injustice at often you know massive inequality in society and it's absolutely uh, harnessed by the far right and encouraged um but to say that i mean kids now if you're 15 now you've spent more than half your life under austerity and there is massive inequality in this country and across Europe and around the world um, and I wondered what you thought about um, drill music because I know that there's um, a bit of debate around this drill music is um, a genre of music which is quite violent in its language and while some people would say it's would point out that other forms of music are violent too uh, some people have linked uh, drill music to kind of stabbings and all kinds of violence, you know, in the real world. And I just wondered what your opinion on it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd encourage everyone to check out um, Drill Minister, um, an artist who, um, as a way of, of entering into this debate around drill music, he made a drill track is using some of the language that politicians were using to describe each other. So, um, you'd be surprised how much violent language politicians um, use on a, on a day-to-day to, to, to describe each other. I think with any music forms, we need to have um, a healthy um, critique around lyrics. You know, there's violent or misogynistic lyrics, um, and we should absolutely not be afraid to, to, to criticise that. But... Um, we have to absolutely start at the situation um, where many people are coming from, you know. Um, music will reflect people's lived experience. Um, we've seen 
the rise of, of knife crime and violence um, spike at a time of, of economic crisis. Um, you've seen complete lack of future for people. We've seen a cutting of youth services around the country, a cutting of um, support for people around mental health. Um, there's no future being offered for people. So is it any surprise that they um, will see life as 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 um as 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 as, as quite cheap so um i think with all music we need to we need to have a, a a critical eye um when we look at it but we should also look at um the resistance elements of it you know this was all also said about grime music um when when it came out, the grime wasn't allowed to play in any 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 clubs. Um, but more recently, you know, we've seen grime for Corbyn around the um, last general election, um, mass politicisation around the grime scene. People encouraging their fans to go out and vote for for Jeremy Corbyn because of of, of what he stood for in terms of being um, anti-austerity and actually offering people uh, a future. So there's always this. This contradiction, there is the kind of reactionary element that we we, we should criticise, but we have to 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 draw on the positives. Um, people who want to resist um, poverty, austerity, racism um, that underlies a lot of these these, these genres of music, as it did um, hip hop and rap as well. Um, we should uh, certainly encourage the, the the resistance elements to to any form of music as well. Um, on, so on the Love Music Hate Racism uh, website, there are some quite big names uh, of um, you know artists supporting the organisation with T-shirts and things, as Charlie XCS, Clean XCX, Clean Bandit, Coldplay, uh, Dua Lipa, Ed Sheeran, James Blunt, Stormzy, all these um, really amazing artists. Um, do you think obviously you've talked about the grassroots, but do you think it is important to have these um these larger let me just put their name to the to the organization yeah uh, um we did a launch with love music hate racism um in March two thousand and seventeen um where we worked with the music industry to get their artists to help promote the campaign and it was trending on social media. It was absolutely fantastic to have uh, lots of um, international artists show their support for Love Music Hate Racism. I remember watching the social medias um, at the time and we were having messages from the four corners of, of the world, really. There was every continent we were getting fans across saying, you know, we love what you're doing. So I think it's absolutely crucial um, to, to draw on some of this support um, because it can inspire people far and wide to to promote the idea of love music hate racism in their own countries, um, where we know you know the, the threats of racism and the far right um, is now a global issue. We've just seen uh, Bolsonaro elected in Brazil. We see the threat of um, of of Trump of the, the uh, white supremacist groups as well in in the United States as well, and, and also across Europe. So using these artists to help spread a message that can go far and wide is, is absolutely crucial but I think the thing to say alongside that is um, if we want to see lasting change it's absolutely crucial that that works alongside the grassroots that 
this inspires people to um, take this idea up and run and set up lo loads of LMHR groups um, in their own towns and cities. We want to see that across the UK. This was certainly what happened with uh, Rock Against Racism. Um, yes, people remember the Victoria Park Carnival, 80 to 100,000 people in Victoria Park with The Clash performing with Steel Pulse and other big acts. Um, but the truth is, uh, the legacy of Rock Against Racism was the towns and cities. 200 gigs, I think, um, in a number of years up and down the country. Uh, some of them would have been 50 to 80 people um, in a local pub or, or community centre, but it was this work happening around the country that helped to, to create a cultural movement that, that drove racism back. And, and this is what we needed again. Um, I'm all in absolute support with the big artists uh, helping us to promote the campaigns, but just as important are um, up-and-coming acts, venues, promoters, um, fans who want to take this idea on and, and help to shape their own community as, and create little anti-racist hubs in their area. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think in our culture and the way we kind of um, think about, I think it's a product of capitalism really, but the way we often think about things happening is spotlighting individuals and, and the big names. But I think this idea of the collective is really powerful. And this um, the work of grassroots organisations, and like you say, making those all those small gigs added together is is kind of what builds a movement and um mm -hmm. you know at the north london love music hate racism launch party then there were some quite young artists and obviously the, a lot of the people in the audience were their mates and it was really amazing to see like <clears throat> maybe this was the first time they were on stage i don't know but you got this sense that it was certainly one of the first times they were on stage and it was kind of that kind of thing um and it having that dual kind of purpose of of helping artists as well as um, promoting this message of um, of anti racism is really fantastic. Yeah, the more we can tie in um, up and coming artists um, to help go out as they're starting out on their careers um, to be ambassadors for Love Music Hate Racism and, and spread that message as well. It's going to make them uh, people feel positive about them. Um, but it's also going to help um, drive this forward. And the, the same with venues. There's venues up and down the country. Um, many fighting live music venues, fighting really su for, for survival. Um, love music, hate racism is a way of them reaching a new audience, really. People who might not necessarily have come to the venue, but if they know um, it's a positive campaign being put on in their local area, they can certainly reach out to to a new audience and certainly this is something we're looking at as well is, is working with um, these venues that are often hubs in communities in, in towns and cities around the country um, trying to team up with them work in partnership um, to promote help them survive but also um, promote love music hate racism as, as a national campaign of course yeah that's an aspect i hadn't really thought about before but Venues, as much as anybody, have been um, challenged by austerity. And I know, for example, in the gay community, there's been loads of, um, you know, live venues that people used to go to that have been closed down over the years in, in central London. And um, and I suppose that that 
that is also an important um part of the work in like in general of of protecting communities and us supporting our communities and and standing up to these um to the pressures of big business and and the and I'm sure it's the same around the country yeah I think these um live music venues are um they're community hubs but they're also um the places where aspiring artists um you know learn to cut their teeth really in in in, in music um they're the first people to give the opportunities to the the Ed Sheerans, um, the Stormzy's, the other big bands out there, um, they all have to start somewhere. So these venues are absolutely crucial to, 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 the, to the music industry. Um, so it, 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 it's so important that we support them. And often you find that they are um, completely in support of, of, of grassroots initiatives um, like Love Music, Hate Racism as well. So I think it's a certainly uh, a, a good partner for us as well but you you know it's absolutely right to say uh, we've seen venues struggling really uh, month to month to say where they're going to get the money to to stay open each month um, the rates um, particularly in, in London um, that these venues have to pay it just makes it impossible for for the smaller venues um, and it would be a massive loss um, it would be a massive loss culturally um, if we allowed these venues to, to close. There's already been a big decline in, in live music venues. Um, and, you know, we need spaces. We need spaces where um, people can go, um, people can in, enjoy music and come together. So there's certainly the ethos uh, that Love Music Hate Racism supports. We want to work with them any, any way we can to, to try and support these venues. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose also like tying into what we were saying just now about, um, you know, young people feeling left out and feeling like they've got nothing to do and actually supporting these affordable, um, you know, places where, like you say, people go and hang out is, is so important. Um, I read somewhere, but I'm not sure if it's true because it didn't seem true, <laughs> but that the 2008 Love Music Hate Racism gig nearly didn't happen. But Morrissey donated some money last minute, seventy-five thousand um, pounds. Do you know anything about that? Is that true? Um, Morrissey did make a donation to to Love Music Hate Racism uh, at the time. Um, it's a travesty, really, when we see um, we've seen him throw support behind Tommy Robinson. Um, more recently, we've seen him attack the Mayor Sadiq Khan. Um, He's certainly um, an artist who I, I would say is um, enabling the growth of the far right to some extent um, with his platform. But no, at the time he he did um, give credit where credit's due, support um, the work of, of, of Love Music, Hate Racism. Um, but those days seem long, yeah. long, long past. Um but I mean, the good thing is most artists um, would be appalled by by, by what Morrissey has, has come to stand for. Most artists um, celebrate multiculturalism and diversity. They know that their their fan base are people that um, allow them to make an earning of, of from all backgrounds, and I, and I think they're they're keen to support 
Love Music Hate Racism as, as an initiative that, that celebrates that fact and, and brings people together. Mm. Because um, even Eric Clapton wasn't alone as well in, in expressing uh, racist sentiment. I also read that um, David Bowie at the time said some uh, said that he supported fascism, basically. Yeah, no, I think it's it's fair to say at the time, you had Eric Clapton making, um, promoting Enoch Powell, David Bowie was flirting around um, Nazi paraphernalia and uh, the, the far right as well. So y- you got this sense from certainly reading about the time that um, things could have gone either way, really. Um, this is why it was such a crucial intervention mm-hmm. um, that the founders of Rock Against Racism made. Um and it wasn't simple, you know, you you, you look at the time, um, some of the early gigs, the National Front were turning up and, um, you know, trying to shut down the gigs, essentially, the big festivals as well. Um, we just recently had the anniversary, I think, um, of the Manchester Carnival against the Nazis. There was threats from the far right to, to turn up at this gig as well so you've got the sense at the stage it could have gone e- either way so um, and I, I get the sense you know nowadays um, if we're not careful we could be in one of these situations again it, this is why this isn't just a historic thing that's happened that we can celebrate it's, it's absolutely crucial when we look at I say again um you know, the far right in May could win a third of the seats in the European Parliament. Um, in Britain, we see with UKIP at the moment, um, increasingly they seem to be making a turn to the far right. They've just taken on Tommy Robinson as a special advisor, the former EDL founder. Um, you do get the sense you've got a situation of mass polarisation that could go either way this this is why it's absolutely crucial that anti-racists seize the initiative uh, that try and pull people away from racist ideas and 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 from the far right because it is a dead end they offer people no answer to austerity to uh, the effects of the economic crisis um their message is one of deflection, of encouraging hatred, but also lets people at the top who are pushing um, austerity as an agenda, it absolutely lets them off the hook. Absolutely. And it's something we've seen recently as well with Kanye West. He's been kind of um, showing his support for Donald Trump, and he's kind of a funny one because you sometimes wonder if he's doing it for to be provocative and... I think that thought crossed my mind as well when I was reading about, you know, those artists in the 70s as well. Mm. But um, it sort of doesn't matter at the end of the day because if he's showing support for Trump, he's showing support for Trump. And, yeah. and it, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a figure with massive influence. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that was... Um, it was horrible to see, to be honest, Kanye West, knowing the platform he's got... Um, shaking hands, endorsing Donald Trump. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right to say, people have said to me, seems like he could be suffering with mental health issues, but uh, the point is still the same. He's, he's, he's using his platform of, of millions and millions of fans to promote a president who, let's not forget, has pushed policies like the Muslim ban, has created a war with Mexico, has put... Um, 
kids from Central America in, in cages um, at, the, at the moment and has certainly enabled the growth of the far right in, in America. Um, so we should absolutely condemn any artist that would um, in, endorse that. Um, and what's to say that might not just become from the music industry, um, it could come from other um, cultural avenues as well. What's to say um, if we don't try and build up um, movements like Love Music, Hate Racism now that um, you might see in the future um, other high-profile figures um, throw their weight behind uh, such figures as Trump's or, or, or even uh, fascist figures. Um, so it's, it's absolutely crucial that we, we seize the moment. I, I say it again, you know, that the fact that um, Tommy Robinson, the EDL founder, um, has got some pull in uh, amongst young people is, is a massive concern to us. Um, we need to combat him and expose him for what he is. You know, he's, he's someone who's trying to build a far right movement in this country. Um, it's going to be to the detriment of, of, of all working class people. What is next for uh, Love Music Hate Racism? How are you looking to build and, and what's kind of coming up? Certainly, um, I think around you and anti-racism day is always uh, a kind of focal movement for the anti-racist movement. Um, it was a day that marks um, the anniversary of the Sharpeville massacre um, in South Africa. Um, so it's quite a poignant day for, for anti-racists um, to mobilise around. And we're certainly looking to do... Um, a two-week campaign that kind of sandwiches um, the UN Anti-Racism Day demonstration in the middle, uh, where we try and work alongside the music industry to um, get artists to use their platforms to promote um, anti-racism, to promote love music, hate racism, and, and, and spread a pop popular positive message as well. Hopefully this can be a counterweight to, to the absolute swamp of uh, far-right propaganda that there is online as well. Um, we also want a number of events up and down the country, and I'd encourage anyone um, to talk to Love Music Hate Racism if you're interested in putting on an event. Um, we'll certainly offer you support and advice on, on doing that as well. Um, we'll be supporting that UN Anti-Racism Day March. Um, we'll certainly have a music float on there. We'll be putting uh, music on that event as well to make sure that there's a cultural element. Um, but going forward, we want to be building up local love music, hate racism groups um, around the country in the next year. I think that's the next stage for us, as well as um, continue and build on uh, the links with the schools to do more work alongside other anti-racist organisations in in schools as, as 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 well there's a huge potential to do that um i suppose the final factor i think is absolutely crucial uh, we've seen worryingly a resurgence of um racism around football we've seen some high profile incidents of footballers being racially abused we've seen the growth of this so-called democratic football lads alliance um that have uh, come out in support of, 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 of Tommy Robinson as well. Um, we're certainly going to be supporting initiatives um, with football fans um, to spread a message that football's for all um, and we don't want to see a return 
um, to the terraces being dominated by far-right groups uh, as, uh, as well. So we'll be looking to do stuff um, around football with organisations involved in that as well. Yeah, that's a massive thing, isn't it? And there's um, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, racism in sport, but uh, that's another area of, of culture, really, where mm. um, people find themselves side-by-side people and of, of all different backgrounds, and it can be a really empowering, unifying force but you know like mm-hmm. you say the far right have been using um football organizations to organize and it's it's really frightening mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's really interesting that um love music hate racism is gonna um kind of tackle that head on yeah i think you know music football in in a, in a way can reflect um what's going on in, in wider society and what we saw again with 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 football um how much uh, things have changed in in a few decades. Um, there's been an acknowledgement um, at how diverse football is. You have now players in the English Premier League from you know countries from all around the world. So fans now, um, people who feel confident to to come and support their team, are, are from diverse backgrounds as, as as well. So we're in a good situation in that sense. But the truth is. Um, Football bodies, clubs as well, have probably been too slow um, in recent years in responding adequately um, to racism when it spiked its, its head again. Um, now, what we have to be saying to them is, uh, um, don't let this thing get out of control. We, we have an opportunity now to, um, you know, to, to build up a kind of anti-racist message in, in every ground in the country. We have to seize that moment now because, as I say, um, if you let the terraces, um, you lose control of the terraces, uh, people will stop coming other than far-right groups, um, which is going to hit the clubs ultimately um, and it's going to damage the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What we're to be doing then? So to finish... Um, we always finish with three questions. Uh, the first of which is, how can people, you've touched on it a little bit already, but how can people support Love Music Hate Racism? I'd encourage anyone, you know, I, I, I don't think, um, not everyone's going to feel confident putting on gigs. I'm not encouraging everyone to become a, a promoter. Um, but you can certainly, you know, share Love Music Hate Racism events and promote it amongst your friends. Um, if you do want to put an event on, get in touch with us. Um, if you're in a school or workplace um, that you could help get support for Love Music Hate Racism, if you're in a trade union, you know, um, affiliate to, to Love Music Hate Racism as well. So um, wear a t-shirt, a Love Music Hate Racism t-shirt, um, that helps to promote the campaign as well. Um, is there an event up and down the country you're going to that you could promote um, LMHR at? There's really um, many different concrete ways people can get involved. So I'd encourage people to get in touch with us on social media, to um, email us as, as, as well, to visit our website. Um, this campaign can only work if um, we build it up from below as well. You know, it's fantastic. We've got some support by big artists from the industry, but the grassroots is, is, is crucial. This is going to grow and become an idea that's... that's um, taken hold of around the country um so that, that that's what i'd say there's some useful things people can do 
Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose if I was listening to this and I was, because I remember when I was a teenager, I was really into music and I played a little bit of music. And I guess if you, um, if people are aspiring musicians and the want that we're looking for, you know, a, a, it is it is a hook, isn't it? It's a way to to kind of mm. start building that. So it's that's a really nice thing to do. The yeah. second question is about uh, what people can read or watch. If there's a, is there anything that's inspired you personally in, in the work that you do? I suppose more, I, I definitely won't put me in a direction uh, more recently of the reminiscence of Ra, Rocking Against Racism, a uh, book by two of the founders of Rock Against Racism, um, Roger Huddle and Red Saunders. I think it's um, a very good guide. Uh, it's different paragraph by one of the many people involved um, in the movement in the late 70s, early, early 80s. It's a very good guide for both how they did it um, and some of the challenges they had and just how, how big the movement was and effective it was. Because um, we have to learn lessons from history. The difficulty is we, we forget um, how how we work to, to make these things happen and it becomes hard to repeat it. So I'll definitely um, recommend that book. There's also um, another book in terms of using music to tackle racism that I think is quite a useful book. Um, Dave Randall's wrote a book, Sound System, The Political Power of Music is very, very good. And uh, Daniel Rachel's The Walls Come Tumbling It Down is very good as well. Um, I suppose the final book, um, just around history of black people in Britain and um, anti-racism as well, is Peter Fry's Staying Power. I think it's a really, really important uh, book people should read. Very long book, but really useful as well. Amazing. That's a fantastic list, Zach. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the last uh, thing, then, is how people can get involved uh, generally in the fight against racism in the movement, as well as support and love music hate racism specifically, how would you en encourage people, especially people who've never really been involved politically, to kind of get out there and, and make their voice heard? I think there's, you know, a lot of good work people can do. Um, Stand Up to Racism, for example, um, an organisation that work on many different fronts. So one we had in 2015, um, refugee crisis, um, receiving mass attention. Um, Stand Up to Racism were organising solidarity initiatives with Calais. Um, people were collecting in their workplaces, um, in their trade unions. Um, they were organising convoys that people take over to Calais. Now, something like this... Um, collecting for refugees in your workplace you have to have a political discussion with people now not everyone's necessarily going to agree you're going to have to um, have a discussion about why it's important and take up a lot of, of, of questions around um, anti-racism um, so I, I certainly think another thing you know pe people one thing stand up to racism are doing is following the method of, of the anti-Nazi league even just as much as wearing a badge in work a stand up to racism badge um, is making a political statement it comes from the idea the anti-Nazi league had um, badges, teachers against the Nazis postal workers against the Nazis and, 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 and so on um, it was about 
making people confident about being anti-racist and creating a bit of an anti-racist mood in, in the workplace as well. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage people to get involved with anti-racist groups um, to go along and to, to, to hear ideas and um, find out what works for them, what, what things they can get involved in. Uh, I think it is important people get active. If, if you're just tackling people online, uh, as I said, there's an absolute swamp of far-right propaganda online. It can be and far-right trolls, quite depressing and, and isolating. I think collective action is, is the way to tackle racism. Um, so I'd certainly recommend um, people look out what's in their local communities to come on um, anti-racist demonstrations like the UN Anti-Racism Day March as, 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 as well, because it is very empowering that you can make a difference. There's certainly been a growth of racism um, in the last few years but the truth is there's also been a spike in, in anti-racism and motivation to, to say we're not going back um, we're going to um, defend what we fought for over, over many years going back to uh, the decades gone by where where people fought um, alongside black and white people um, to not allow the far right to push their message of hatred and, and violence against their communities yeah, absolutely. Um, what date is the UN uh, demonstration? Uh, the UN Anti-Racism Day March this year is Saturday 16th of March. Um, we're meeting at BBC Portland Place and it it marches round um, to Trafalgar Square this year. Amazing. Yeah, demonstrations are, are fantastic and especially, um, you know, the anti-Trump demonstrations in when he had his visit to London were, I think, really empowering for a lot of people who hadn't been on them before and can definitely spark conversations mm. and help people meet other other anti-racists. Yeah. Yeah, a quarter of a million people is, is out on the streets on that anti-Trump demonstration. is absolutely fantastic. It, it shows you, um, you know, someone like Donald Trump in, let's say, the most powerful position in the world. Um, actually, when we come together as a collective... Um, uh, to to oppose hatred and division, you know, we're a very powerful force. We can't do anything. Um, it's very difficult as an individual, but collectively, um, we, we we can tackle hatred and division. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for for talking to me today, Zach. It's been a it's been a really fantastic conversation. Ah, thank you for having me. Delighted to be on this. Future Heist is recorded and produced by me, Rena Neve Smith, with original music by Benjamin Tassie, artwork by Fleur Beck, and sound editing by Simon Guy. Special thanks to Chloe Vasegi and Joshua Lowe's Challenge. You can follow us or get in touch on Instagram at future underscore heist.